So for 30 years, I'd heard that song, okay? But I never caught the lament in it. Had a nice little guitar, upbeat chorus. But I missed, I missed the longing in it. I missed the longing, the longing that that if I have someone to help me, if I have someone to go with me, if I have someone sitting next to me, that I belong, and life's going to be okay if I belong. You see, we were born with it. We were born with the longing. We were born feeling it, desiring it. And today, we're going we're gonna to talk about this promise that God makes. And it's the promise of love. It's the promise of belonging. And I'm going to have to find my PowerPoint. There it goes. Okay. Bruce, are you with me? Okay. Can I get the next slide? Thank you. All right. So, so we, we find, I think, I think all of us find ourselves to some degree in this, in this search for, for love, in this search for belonging. And we experience it to different degrees. And, and some of us, you know, um, there may be some that we've convinced ourselves that perhaps we don't need it. Um, th- those stories are around. In fact, you may have heard the story of the one, uh, and if, if, you, if you have heard this, don't stop me. I'm going to keep going. Um, but, but you may have heard the story of, of the, the person who really prefers isolation. Um, they're kind of sick of, of everyone and all the, the trouble that people bring. So they, they get some land. They go out and they leave everybody. Okay, um, they they have you know keep out signs posted, trespassers beware. But the longer they're alone, right, the more antisocial behavior emerges. Hygiene worsens, right, until it's unbearable to even be in their presence. And when someone does actually wander onto their land, they're so cruel and mean that you could say they're a real ogre, right? You know there are four of those movies? <laughs> I miss that too somehow. And they're making a fifth? It's, I, don't, I don't know, a Broadway play, merchandising, right? But there's this, this story, right, okay, that we connect with at some level about you want to be left alone or just stay away from me and pro- I'm going to protect myself. But as we all know, maybe you don't, but right? We make friends. And this is kind of, there's this truth, this reality, okay? And, and of course, Shrek is a story, right? It's a, a fictional story that, we, that was, has been told, but it, it's resonated with us in some ways because at times, I think we feel that sense of, I'd be better off alone. I'd be better off without. I'd be better off on my own land with no one to bother me. But through the struggle of life, many of us also realize, right? That, that those around us are important, that belonging matters, that family is a real thing, and it's important. And I would say this, that, that, that you can tell a lot about a culture from the stories that that, that culture tells. And I, I throw this one up there. We could have picked just about any story, right, about someone on the outside who's trying to make it on their own and comes in contact with others and finds belonging, there's one after the next. It's a constant theme for us culturally. Okay? We're sort of stuck between, we're in this spot where we're, we're stuck between the sort of the value of independence, right? 
That's an Enlightenment American ideal of independence and at the same time needing a sense of community and belonging. And we wrestle with it. And here's the thing, and this is, I'm gonna, we'll play our cards, right? But, but the, 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 one of the most quoted verses in all the Bible begins by simply saying this, for God so loved the world. Right? We teach it to our little ones. In fact, we teach it to them so early and so often that sometimes by the time we get to, to a place where we're older and more sophisticated, a bit more dignified, we've kind of taken it for granted. We've sort of assumed the truth of it without really investing in what it means that the energizing power in all of creation, in all of the universe, is the love of God. It was, it was his love that produced creation. It was his love that, that suffered long with his people as they wandered and disobeyed. It was his love that, 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 that caused a son to come and die on our behalf. It's his love. So let's take a look at it. Um, in a few minutes, we're going to look at, at um, a couple different passages of Scripture. Romans 8 will be one and 1 John 4. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to Romans 8. But in the meantime, I just would like to... to establish a couple ideas as we go through this. And, um, and we're going we're gonna to take a look at the very beginning of the story, okay? And the first thing I want to say is this, and, and I've been saying this, but I'm just going to put it up there. This makes it official, right, when it's on the PowerPoint. But we are meant to belong, to be loved. We were built for it, all of us, okay? There's no one that, that is, is intended to be alone, <clears throat> Take a look at Genesis chapter 2. The Lord says this. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, to, a helper fit for him. From, right from the outset, this is the second chapter of the Bible. God creates, and at the end of Genesis chapter 1, we find about the creation of man. It transitions into another telling of the story, and it tells us that Adam came, came in, in personal contact with the reality. He came to know in, in, a, in, a, in a way that he experienced loneliness as God moved the animals by him, each in tandem, and he named them. And he said, there's a fit for all of them. They all have a partner, but I don't. And the, the, the statement from God is that it's, it's not good for man to be alone. This is, you were not designed to be alone. It says this later, so therefore... Okay, a few verses down in chapter 2, a man will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. This idea of two becoming one, this idea of two coming together. Now, it's obviously in the context of marriage, and we're going to expand that out from here. Okay? But before we do, okay, I want to look at the end of the story as well, because look at this. This is in Revelation. So we've looked at the first two pages of the Bible. This is on one of the last two pages of the Bible. Look at what it says. The Apostle John had a vision. He said, I saw a new heaven and new earth. This is Revelation chapter 21. That's verse 1. Then in verse 3, he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Notice the language that's used there. That, that we, the whole story begins with it's not good to be alone, and then the story ends with man in harmony and relationship with God in his presence, not alone, belonging with him as we were meant to be. And if these are the bookends, we were designed for it, we were built for it, and we were headed towards it. It's the end of the story. 
Why is it that in between we experience something different? Why do we experience something different? And it's because of this, okay? You see, our, the love and the belonging are corrupted by sin. They're corrupted by sin. We, if, if you're not familiar with the story, it's in Genesis chapter 3. It's the, the, sort of the, the third page of the Bible, if you will. Where, but, but we probably do know the story of, of Adam and Eve are offered the fruit, and Eve takes it and eats it and gives it to Adam, and he eats it, and they suddenly realize they're, they're exposed, they're naked. It was, it was the fruit that God had said, you can eat of anything except this one. And as they try to hide unsuccessfully from the God who is everywhere, right? As they try to hide, God moves into their world, into the garden. He seeks them out and ultimately exposes what they've done. And he, there's consequences, right? So, so remember, they were God, he said, it's not good for you to be alone, and so I'm going to give you this helper. But look at the consequence in chapter 3, verse 15. How, how our love and our belonging have been corrupted by sin. He says to the woman, I will multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Now look at this. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. He'll rule over you. That, that what, was, what was meant to be this belonging, this un, uncorrupted relationship, it's now broken. So sin has moved in, and it's taken the thing that God gave him, and it's corrupted it. And look at the next verse for the, to the man, verse 16. or Sorry, to the woman, he said... Nope, it's still 16. <laughs> Tom screwed up. That's why you have a Bible, right? Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It says, because you did this. Here we go. Cursed are you above the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. That's the serpent. Verse, verse 16 says, where am I? <laughs> Can we stop? Sorry. Verse 15 says this. Here it is, okay? <laughs> verse 15 says this in Genesis chapter 3. I will put enmity, I've been off for eight weeks, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Verse 15 says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, you shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Do you catch this? The consequence, this is talking to the serpent, okay? That's talking to the serpent, he says, he says that because of everything that's gone on in the garden, there's now enmity where, there's, where once there was harmony, there's now enmity. Things are, were meant to be a certain way, and they're not, and it carries over from, from the woman to the serpent to the, to the woman to her husband in verse 16, and that's... Bruce, what's happening? All right, there we go. And it carries over to the woman. It's the best I got, people. All right. Verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your chain of pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. Catch this, okay? Let me reel this back in a minute. We were designed for perfect harmony in relationship. We were designed to experience not only the love of our father, but the love of one another. That's what we were designed for. We were built for it. Sin enters the system, and it corrupts everything. And in, in the consequences, in the consequences, we find that the very thing we were built for is now corrupted. It's now broken. We don't have the love. We don't have the belonging in, in a way that is pure and complete and whole. We experience 
pain where love should be. We experience separation where belonging ought to be. And this is, this is the narrative that we find ourselves in. <clears throat> and it leads to all kinds of other things. Um, the brokenness in relationship produces all kinds of struggles. The, the, there's a journalist named Johan Hari who, um, who studied, his, his, the thing he was really looking at was addiction. Why, what is addiction and why are people so addicted? And he said this, um, he said that human beings have a natural and innate need to bond. This is what he observed when he looked for, for several years at this issue. We have a natural and innate need to bond. And when we're happy and healthy, we bond and connect with each other. But if you can't do that because you're traumatized or isolated or beaten down by life, you will bond with something that will give you some sense of relief. That might be gambling, pornography, cocaine, cannabis. You'll bond with something because that's our nature. You see, what we find from the beginning, we were meant to be together. We were meant to belong. We were meant for love. Here in the 21st century, a very, I'm sure, intelligent and able Journalist recognizes that the system is broken. The system's broken. We were meant to bond. We were meant to be together. We were meant to be whole. And yet, we're struggling with so many things because we can't connect. We don't belong. We're trying to ease the pain that we experience. We're searching for something because of a lost connection. And the tragedy of it is that the places we're looking for it actually wind up isolating us further, wind up pushing us further away. Our addictions wind up pushing us further and further away from the connection that we're seeking. We wind up often isolated from those closest to us because we're consumed by some sort of other addiction. The promise of technology and social media to connect us has had the exact opposite impact where we sit together in groups but isolated to our individual little world and we're missing the belonging and the love that we were built for. But there's hope, right? There's hope. Because you see, in trusting God's love, we already find that we belong. Do you have your Bibles? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Before we get to Romans chapter 8, in chapter 5, there's this... This, this thing that Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, God shows his love for us. In verse eight, five, chapter 5, verse 8 says, God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, this, this, while, while the corruption of the world, it wasn't someone else's corruption out there, it was my own. While the problems of the world exist, it's not the problems of the world that have kept me from God, it's the problems of me that keep me from God. But even in the midst of that, here's the, the absurd notion. God loves us so much that while we were still sinners is when Christ died for us. That in the midst of my worst, the worst I've got to offer, the, the, the things that I'm most ashamed of, the things about me that are unlovable, the darkness of my heart, the things that I hide from others because I know that if you see them, you'll be put off, repulsed. Who could love me in that sin? And it's at that point, you see, this is the scandal of it, it's at that point, Paul writes, 
when we were at our worst is when Christ died for us. What an amazing reality and truth. You see, we find that we already belong. It's not a question of what, what, what's gone on with God. It's where is God? It's a question of where am I in this relationship with him? In chapter 8, towards the end of chapter 8, this is, again, another, another really famous passage, and I'm assuming that it's going to be all right here. But we find that we already belong, and, and what, what about this love? Verse 31 says this, What shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him, with his son, graciously give us all things? You see, this question of God's love, it actually doesn't just come with standing, it comes with benefit. It comes with gifts. It's not just that God loves us. It's that God has done good for us. God has blessed us. And you see, we, we have a tendency to, to ignore that or to push it aside or to, to pretend that it's not happening, to convince ourselves that the goodness of God isn't real for me, that I'm not loved, that I don't belong. But he goes on, jump down a couple verses to verse 35. So it says this, who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? If this is what he's done for us, at my worst, he died for us, who's going to separate us from his love? Can tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword, can these things separate us? Can, can, can tribulation, can the, just the trouble of this world, can it keep me from God's love? Distress, what, when you look at this list, It's not comprehensive, but aren't there things that stand out there? Distress, just trouble? Concern for what's going on around me? Persecution, unfair mistreatment? Famine, nakedness, just basic needs not being met? Sword, danger around us? Is there something there that gets us thinking, that gets you thinking and questioning whether or not you're really loved. And I can tell you that I look at the list, and there are times where I think God has graced me with some boldness in his love, and there are things on that list that really get me questioning whether or not he's for me, whether or not I really belong. I like to think, and I, it hasn't been tested, but I'd like to think that, that persecution just riles me up more. I'm a contrarian. Tell me I'm wrong, and I'll fight back, and prove to you why I'm right. I'd like to think that even with, in a, with a little and in, 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 in seasons of where I have a lot, I'd like to think I still believe that God loves me. But I'll tell you, distress, where there's just sort of ongoing trouble, circumstantial struggle, that's my weakness. When I can't seem to get ahead on the, the routines or the, 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 the matters of life that I say are important. When, when the stuff of, of the world is, it's, it's kind of the constant low-grade fever, that's where I'm weak, is in distress. Do you see something there that, has, that would have you question? You know, we've talked about some of these things already in this series. We talked about fear for safety. We've talked about meeting our basic needs? Do you see things there that, that what's at stake when we begin to question the love of God? We begin, to, we begin to question his promise that he does love us. And Paul finishes this section down a couple more verses, verse 38. He says, I'm sure, 
I'm, I'm convinced. I, some translations say, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, whether I live or die, angels nor rulers, heavenly beings, earthly beings, things present, things to come, nor powers, height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's a reality that God loves us, and he's given his love to us through his son, Jesus. Now, I have to pause because there's, there's also, there's, this is one small section of a long story, and, and, and you may not experience, be experiencing or feeling or sensing the love of God. I, I just told you, when, when I'm distressed, when the pressure's on, and I feel like I'm not performing well enough to keep things moving is when I'm weak about this. But there's another reality at work that may not be one of the things that was on the list. It may be that you're sitting here this morning and, and the love of God's not real because while God loves us, we've never, we may have never responded to it. You see, it's possible. It's possible that love can be given and not received. It's possible. It's possible. We even have words for it, right? Like unrequited love, where we love someone so strongly, so powerfully, and all we want back is just a little bit, and we get nothing, right? Oftentimes, that's God's stance, God's posture towards his creation. In our sin, he loves us. He gave everything for us. And we, at present, we haven't moved towards him. We haven't received his love. We stand with our hands up trying to block his love. Because there's implications of being loved by God, for sure. Being loved by God and loving him in response comes with an entire way of life to live with him. So we may not feel it because we're in, we're in just sort of a period of time where, where we're not experiencing it because of our, our current lack of faith. But it's also possible that, that we're not experiencing it because we've never really embraced God's gift, God's love. And I would encourage you this morning, if you're sitting here and this sounds completely foreign to you, if you're sitting here and you would say, I'm not even sure who this God is, or you're sitting here and saying, you know what, I've tried God for years. And it didn't work. I would ask you, would you please, would you please consider that perhaps the reality isn't that God's love isn't absent, but that we've never really taken hold of him. We've never really moved towards him. We've never really accepted the gift of his son, the sacrifice that Christ made, and what it means for us. Would you consider that as we keep moving? I just felt, I knew we couldn't, we couldn't move past this without, without that offer. And then finally, I want to say this, okay? When it comes to the promise of love, is there's this, this amazing thing. See, God's not finished with his love. It's not like he loved in one burst, and now it's just hanging in the universe. Because the church, the people of God, we demonstrate the promise of God's love, okay? It's not just that God loved. 
and now it, just go on and feel it for yourself. He actually designed a system, <laughs> a system where his people are the ones who live the love that God gave. If you still have your Bible open, would you go to 1 John? It's, it would be to the right of Romans a little bit. 1 John chapter 4, and the Apostle John says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love, okay? So God is love. He's love. And we are, okay, those who've experienced his love, are now the responsible party in being his love to others. Do you catch this? Let us love one another. One anothering requires a two-way street. It requires not only that I love you, but that I allow myself to be loved by others. I allow myself to be known by others in ways that require the love of God working in my life. It means I cannot go in my swamp and put up my signs and chase off anyone who wants to be a part of my life. Love one another. Because love is from God. In verse 11, a couple of verses down, he says this, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Notice the order of events. God loves us, now we ought to love. Be careful because we don't love others as a way to get God's love. See, that's, that's the manipulation that we often live with. And, and truthfully, we often live with it because it's been our experience for most of our lives. In order to get you to love me, I had to do something in order to, to, to gain your love. Even in, even in the most beautiful of human loves, there's an element of it in there because sin has screwed up the system. Okay? But that's not the way it is with God. God gave everything he had to love us. He, he, he gave all of himself to us. Everything that is good for us. And now in response, we love back. We love one another. No one has ever seen God. But catch this, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. You can't just, see, when we love one another, this is, the, this is how we love God. It's this amazing dynamic because, you see, my neighbor is the only thing in all of creation that bears God's image. You see, I can, I can love all the beautiful things in nature and, and think they're, they're wonderful. They don't bear God's image. They reflect his glory, but they don't bear his image. They're not tied into his very character. They can't reflect back the attributes of what it means to be God. But my neighbor can. My neighbor does. Because my neighbor is the one who's made in God's image. And so when I love my neighbor, I am in essence loving God. You see the way this works? God has commissioned, he's deputized us, the church, to be his love on this earth. No, verse 12 again, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Another, down just a few more verses, verse 16. I want to catch this. Because it's going to deal with this fear that we have of not being loved. So we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, 
but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. You catch this? Do you hear it? You see, we were, we were designed for love and belonging. We were built for it. In all of creation, we were the thing that can love back. Truly love. God made us for it, and he made us that it wasn't good for us to be alone, to be separated, to be distant, apart. He put us together. But sin's messed it up. It's screwed up the system. It's no longer perfect. I can't do it perfectly. So God makes a way. Right? He sends his son in the the most perfect act of love. His son gives his life for me because God loves me. And by embracing God's love, by trusting it, by putting my faith in what God has done through his son, I now become an agent of God's love in my world to love others. And so there's two sides of this fence, right? What about us? I don't feel like I'm loved. I don't feel like I belong. I'd ask you to start in your heart. Do you believe that God does love? Do you believe that he is love and that he's given his love for you? Trust it and rest in it. And church, in this room, you're sitting in a room with people who don't feel it, who don't believe it, who haven't embraced it. Oh, maybe in moments we have, but we're not experiencing it at present. And this is what it means to be the church, is to love those who maybe don't even love themselves. It means to to move towards those who can't come to terms with the love of God because all they've ever known is conditional acceptance. And can we be a church that loves in ways that are maybe even irresponsible, that we can live the promise that we are loved, that we can be the flesh that shows who God is and what he's done? Would you pray with me? God, we, um, <clears throat> we stop to, um, to talk to you. Um, and confess that um, I've tried all kinds of ways to, to, to feel love, to belong, to... to get the very thing that you tell me I already have. And I realize, God, that those things drive me further away from you and your people. They isolate. 
God, I just, I confess that, um, that I'm, the, I'm the chief reason that I don't feel your love. I, I've, I've believed, I've believed that, um, that I've got to earn it, or I believe that it doesn't matter, or I've just ignored it. And, and God, we pray this morning. We pray that your, your love would be real. We pray that your love would, would be felt. We pray that, um, that we would be faithful to, to our neighbor in, in some just small measure of the way that you've already been faithful to us. Not because we want you to love us, but because you already do. And God, we just... We thank you for it. We thank you that it is real. We ask that, um, that again, as we go, we would, we would make it known that, that you love, you love the unlovable. You love us. And we pray all of this because of who you are and what you've done through Christ. Amen.